Hey y'all, welcome to Pistons vs. Everybody on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. You can follow us on Spotify. You can download on Podcast Addict or Pocket Cast or any of the other infinite podcast platforms that exist on the Google Play Store. Uh, I really appreciate everybody who listens and downloads and rates and reviews and follows and subscribes. It, it really means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. You guys are why I do what I do. And apparently, what you guys want to talk about and hear about is Christian Wood. So we're going to open the show with some Christian Wood talk. Uh, I was reading Keith uh, Keith Langlois' mailbag today, and six out of the nine questions that he answered were some version of how stupid would it be if we didn't keep Christian Wood? I thought that was slightly excessive, but like, hey, no, it's a totally fair question. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about Christian Wood. Believe you me. Uh, luckily, I have a report in my hand. I reported earlier today on Twitter that uh, I have a source familiar with the Pistons thinking that says Christian Wood is safe. The source says the team is currently deciding whether to keep Joe Johnson or to keep Kyrie Thompson, Kyrie Thomas, Kyrie Thompson. Wow. That's really bad. So that is, that's what the source told me. That's what I'm reporting. So now uh, this, that was the hard wall. Now we're going to start speculating. This is speculation. My speculation is that they're trying to find a home for Kyrie around the league. They believe with good reason that he's an NBA player and Right now, he's just a victim of roster crunch. Now, that's not roster crunch on you know every NBA roster. That's not roster crunch saying like he's just like uh, he's the seventeenth man on like any NBA roster. Like, no, this roster just has a lot of guys who can do what Kyrie Thomas does, and he just has not done enough to distinguish himself in the preseason. Again, we are purely speculating at this point. I do not know if this is true or not. Um, but however, cutting Kyrie Thompson would cause them to go into the luxury tax. He has more than one year of guaranteed money. And so putting all of that guaranteed money on, as dead money on the cap right now would put the Pistons into the luxury tax. So they're trying to move him to find him a home. Okay, the the, the dead money thing that's real that would happen again this is speculation we're speculating as to why they would be inclined to move Kyrie Thomas um so cutting Kyrie Thomas just full stop would necessitate a another move down the line unless they were (laughs) willing to pay the luxury tax for this team which uh I'm not entirely sure about I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay the luxury tax for this team and I think that's a that's a fair distinction um so that would mean, uh, even, despite the fact that you've kept the two guys you liked, you kept Joe and you kept Christian Wood, you still got to duck the luxury tax eventually. So maybe down the line, you got to you still have to trade Langston, or you still have to trade Thon, or you know you have to make some other cost saving move. Maybe you uh, you get rid of Tony Snell or something. Again, we are purely speculating at this point. However. If you don't want to pay the luxury tax and you want to get under it before or before the end of the trade deadline, like you would still have to do something else if you cut Kyrie Thomas. And so 
you know, that that's where we're at. And so if the ownership says no and they can't find a way to they can't find a team and they can't find a fit for Kyrie, um, maybe maybe they do cut Joe Johnson. Maybe they decide like, hey, paying the luxury tax for this team is not worth it. Uh, what Joe Johnson brings is not worth uh, the stress of you know trying to cut Kyrie Thomas and, and pay the luxury tax and figure out all these cap machinations and stuff. Um, you know that's another angle. That's another way of looking at it. I, I suppose. Either way, though, what everyone is so frustrated about and so angry about uh, is not going to come to pass. I, I'm I'm happy to report uh, Christian Wood is is safe. He, Christian Wood's going to be a Detroit Piston this year. Now, the whole thing around Kyrie Thomas is that I've, I've seen some people say that getting rid of Kyrie Thomas for Joe Johnson would uh, diminish their faith in the front office in, in the long term. And I think there's something to that, but uh, I, I don't know. So, so it is definitely not a great sign that. Uh, you're keeping a veteran who you can't rely on to contribute uh, over a second-year player who looks like he could develop into like a very solid role player at the NBA level. However, um, part of me says like that that's absolutely true. Another part of me says the sign of a good front office is being willing to cut bait on a guy that they like, that they liked when they drafted him, that they took a, that they used a, another second-round pick to go get. Because he hasn't shown much at the NBA level, you know he's shown he's shown good. Uh, he's played well in the G League. He's played well when he's gotten extended NBA minutes. However, he doesn't he hasn't distinguished himself this preseason. We have to assume that he hasn't because he hasn't been given an opportunity to distinguish himself in preseason. We have to assume that he hasn't distinguished himself during uh, training camp. Um, he was not overly impressive during the most recent summer league. And so he just, he seems like a guy. He seems like a really solid player, but he, he just kind of seems like a guy. And so, and okay, cutting a guy in, you know, luxury tax machinations and everything for Joe Johnson, like maybe that's still not worth it. And like, I can absolutely totally see that. However, like, you know, it's what the coaching staff in the front office prioritize. It's the it's the psychic power that Joe Johnson has of you know being there and seeing it all and um, the savoir faire, the savoir faire. <laughs> but yeah, the other thing is the the Pistons have time, right? The season starts on the twenty third, or the the Pistons season starts on the twenty third. That's important to note. Uh, Christian Wood's guarantee date is the twenty third because it's before the Pistons' first game. And ISO Joe's uh, guarantee date is the 22nd. And so today is the 16th. Tomorrow is the 17th. By the time you listen to this, it will be the 17th. That will mean the Pistons have five days. They don't have to rush this process. Uh, I believe the final preseason games are being played tomorrow. I could be wrong on that. Uh, They're being played on the 17th. And so there will be a time when no one's playing any games. Um, everybody is just doing cap stuff. Everybody is uh, just starting to uh, solidify the roster. We already saw that a little bit of that today. With um, you saw a little bit of teams cutting guys and signing guys really quickly, so they could be affiliate players and play in the uh, G League for them. And so I, over over the next four or five days, you'll see a lot of roster churn, 
and that roster churn will provide opportunities for the Pistons to get something in return for Kyrie Thomas. What can they get in return for Kyrie Thomas? Talked a little bit about this last episode. Um, You would need to either do a two-for-one to open up the roster spot. You need to uh, get a a non-guaranteed deal that you can immediately cut, or you would need to trade Kyrie Thomas into someone's cap space. Uh, And again, the only team with a cap space to accept Kyrie Thomas straight up right now is the uh, is the Atlanta Hawks if I'm rem- if I'm remembering correctly and if nothing has changed in between the the last time uh, we spoke and so yeah the the Pistons have time to figure this whole thing out and I have confidence that they uh, that they will figure this out I don't know if they'll have I don't know if I have confidence that they'll figure it out in exactly the way I would but that is probably a good thing because I'm just a guy sitting in his office in North Carolina, like not actually like a front office member of the Detroit Pistons. I don't have any uh, extra extra insight on that one. But most importantly, Christian Wood is safe. He performed well enough in the preseason to stay on the roster. We, we don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm, I'm not concerned about it. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll be sweating it out until the 23rd or until like a corresponding moves happens. But uh, I feel pretty good about uh, the quality of the, the source that I have. So Christian Wood is going to be a piston this year. Hooray. All right. Now, so I that's like 10 minutes. I don't want to talk about Christian Wood for like a full 30 minutes again. But what I did want to do was talk about the five preseason games the Pistons have played. So uh, I wanted to go through all the games, remind you guys what happened, and give at least uh, three things that we learned from every single preseason game. So I want to start with the first game against Orlando. Uh, the Pistons lost. They lost 115-91. to And for me, the thing that stood out immediately from this game was that Seku was just like a little NBA baby. He was very much not ready. This reminded me so much of the uh, his appearance in Summer League where he was just uh he was just inattentive and the game looked like he was like just blowing past him and he was really skinny even compared to a guy like a Jonathan Isaac who's who was also like really underdeveloped when he came into the league and looks much stronger and bigger now um even a guy like Mo Bamba who's like obviously very much like taller than Seiko and everything but he's a guy who looked like he had gained strength in the last year or so like it's it's going to be really important for Seku to uh, develop his body over the course of the next of definitely like the next couple of seasons. But I think like immediately like we uh, after his rookie season, we're gonna, we're going to see a big jump in in that department. However, like right now, he's just a skinny kid from France, just real real skinny, and uh, and that's apparent like when he steps on an NBA floor with other NBA players. Uh, the second thing that I noticed from this game was that Andre was pretty good. Uh, Andre fouled out uh, Nikola Vucevic in 21 minutes. He took <laughs> he took one terrible three early in the first quarter that got him like memed. It got him on NBA Twitter and stuff. People were like, "Haha!" Like, "Oh my God, Andre sucks. He's, he's shooting threes." Um, like, I think that was the same. That was either the same night or the night before. Like, Stephen Adams hit like a corner three on the first possession of the Oklahoma City game, and so it's like. It's like, uh, why, like, why can't, why can't Andre just, if Andre hits the three, it's a highlight. And if he misses a three, it's a highlight, but like a negative highlight. And so it's, it's just whatever. But uh, Andre was pretty good defensively that game. Um, he broke up 
he does uh, this is the best thing he does defensively he broke up a couple of lob attempts to entry pass attempts to Vucevic um, he frustrated Vucevic a lot on the on the offensive end got him in foul trouble um, got him fouled out like six full fouls in, th- in three quarters which is which is pretty amazing and uh, yeah like as long as he stays within himself Andre is a really effective player and he managed to do that in the first game against Orlando uh, the other final thing we uh, we noticed against Orlando was that was the first game Christian Wood popped off he had like 19 points and 11 rebounds he was dynamic he was explosive he was just scoring points and getting rebounds he was doing all the things that we now know he could do but that um, you know we we thought he could do after the end of uh, his tenure in New Orleans but we needed to see it for ourselves in a, in a Pistons uniform and it was very clear it's like okay this guy this guy has definite skills that um you can uh, they can make him an operational part of a bench lineup in the NBA. He can dude can score in the pick and roll. Dude can get rebounds. Dude can shoot a little, shoot a little tiny bit like that. That can make him a useful player, and and so it has. Okay, next up was the the Dallas game. The uh, Pistons won that game one twenty four to one seventeen. Uh, and the biggest thing that I noticed about this game was uh, this was the first game where Blake's health. Uh, really became in question to me. Uh, Blake was like taking it slow, and, and he was he was basically just like jogging around uh, in the Orlando game. So I wasn't quite sure how to take it. But uh, this game, he uh, he finished with 17 points, but he flashed a lack of explosiveness. He was uh, there were two plays in in particular that I've talked about on other podcasts that uh, just gave me pause where he had an open lane to the rim and laid it up and, you know, didn't even jump particularly high while laying it up instead of dunking it. You know, in the preseason last year, he was trying to dunk everything. Um, he was trying to dunk on Jared Allen, if you recall, and Jared Allen got him once and he got Jared Allen back. And we weren't, we weren't seeing that guy this preseason. And that was, that was notable to me. Um, he didn't look, Blake didn't look injured per se. He looked effective uh, enough. Again, he scored he scored well and uh, the Pistons could use him on offense. It wasn't like the uh, it wasn't like the Charlotte game last year or the Memphis game late last year where he was just like dragging around and, and being ineffective offensively. Like, no, he could still play. It just looked like it looked like he was, you know, thirty five games into the year instead of like, you know, his second preseason game, which is which was notable. Which was notable. And Blake has not played <laughs> since that uh, since that game, and so I think his health is still kind of an open question. the uh, The next thing we noticed about that game was that was the first game that the uh, Luke Kennard uh, Derek Rose bench tandem really uh, worked effectively. Um, Rose scored eighteen, Luke scored nineteen, and they didn't cannibalize each other offensively, which is what a lot of the concern was. I think about Luke coming off the bench. Um, this season, um, they operate similarly as as pick and roll playmakers. But uh, Luke, what Luke is trying to do is he's using the threat of a pick to create separation to get a shot off. And what Derek's trying to do with the pick is he's trying to get all the way to the rim and collapse the defense and pass out from there. And so, uh, because they they operate in the pick and roll, but they operate differently, um, there's definitely like an opportunity for both of them to to feed off one another and 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 to play well together. And so, getting the fact that getting the fact that they can do that uh, established early in the preseason, I think, was really uh, important for the Pistons. 
And the last thing that I noticed from this Dallas game was the uh, was the reminder of Thon's struggle on the glass. Like he was uh, he was really struggling to to grab rebounds. He was really struggling with Dallas's. Uh, when Dallas wasn't going with uh, Boban or Porzingis at center, they were playing smaller guys like Kleba and uh, Blossom game, I think. No, they had they had another uh, smaller guy in at center. I can't recall, but uh, Thon's inability to you know get around those guys, box those guys out, um, and and secure rebounds is just a major concern of his if he's going to play minutes at backup center. Like this has been a concern of his. Um, as long as he's been in the league, essentially, and the second preseason game let us know that this it would he maybe has he maybe has gotten stronger, but this is something that still like needs to be addressed um, during the off season. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain, time consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. That's B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, and enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually, you just brush it off or blame yourself, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or you can avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. You know, I've been with my wife 10 years, been married for four. You never expect those words to come out of your mouth, and then they do, and then you're like, wow, like, who, who am I? What, what have I become? Who can I talk to about this? Luckily, with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is also simple. You just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com. 
youtube.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started getroman.com slash blue wire all right the the third uh pistons preseason game was the uh game against cleveland they won that game 109 to 105 and the biggest takeaway from that game was that bruce can be effective offensively uh in a role in the starting lineup he was big he was great as a as a passer he had seven assists that was the game in which those were the same types of passes he was throwing in summer league he was throwing you know uh drop offs to andre he was getting uh guys open shots off dribble drives he was um you know attacking in the pick and roll and dumping it off to the roll man um as long as he can do that and still be effective uh, with the ball in his hands, he also scored 15 points. He had a really nice um, late attack in transition. He had another uh, pretty nice like layup finish um, that I think was the first play of the game. And so the the <laughs> the open question of whether or not Bruce Brown can contribute offensively is was was answered in that game. Like he absolutely can. Um, it's to the, at this point, it's just to to the degree at which he is uh, permitted by the offense and by uh, the opponent to to contribute. You know, if uh, if he's able to, if he has guys that are defending him that he can easily beat off the dribble, like he can definitely collapse the defense and find open shooters. If uh, he has guys who are more physically gifted and, and can stay with him off the dribble, I think he'll struggle. Uh, if he is able to make more perimeter shots that'll help that, but that's not something that he really flashed in this Cleveland game or in all of preseason for that matter, if we're going to be completely honest. But um, I think in the regular season, um, on like a night in, night out basis, he can definitely have a, a competent level of, of offensive contribution. And then obviously his his defensive contribution last year was invaluable, and we, we hope that continues. Um the th- the third preseason game, the Cleveland game, that was also the game where I uh, we maybe first realized that Kyrie Thomas was in danger of not making the roster. Uh, Joe Johnson had played in I believe all three preseason games to that point. Um, Kyrie didn't play in this game, despite the fact that uh, down the stretch the Pistons with went with a lineup of uh, mainly reserves and and Bruce Brown, a guy like you would expect a guy like. Uh, a guy they feel good about, like Tim Frazier, uh, to maybe not, uh, to maybe get the minutes. He, he got the minutes that Kyrie Thomas maybe should have gotten. Um, I thought that Cleveland's uh, young guard duo of uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, as, uh, as Justin Rowan affectionately refers to them as uh, Sexland, um, I thought Kyrie would have been deployed in a way that, like, you would want to see like what he has uh, against those type of players, uh, but he wasn't. He didn't even play in that game, and so that was that was a big indicator to me that uh, Kyrie might might not be long for the Pistons. And you know, we talked about it at the top of the podcast. But um, if the coaching staff doesn't trust him in those situations, and they don't. If the coaching staff has no desire to see how he'll play out in those situations then, you know, you you understand why the front office, like, wouldn't want to keep him. Um, if they can't, if they don't feel like they can trust him to, to play down the stretch of a close game that doesn't actually matter, like, just to see what he's got, like, that's that's kind of a problem. That's kind of a problem for him. 
and it, and it really sucks because like I do I do think Kyrie is a very talented player, and I do think um, I do think he can be an effective player in the NBA. Um, he just he just hasn't been so far, and he hasn't flashed enough. Uh, he hasn't flashed anything besides the potential of being like a future solid role player, and so. Uh, you you understand why the if the coaching staff doesn't want to play him and um, you know is paying attention to his development and everything you would understand why he would be cut and so that was that was just very noticeable to me at least. Um, the last thing about that is kind of tied in. We talked a little bit about Tim Frazier, but that was the first time we got a really good look at Tim Frazier at this Cleveland game, and he was pretty good. He uh, ran the end of game offense solidly. He came in immediately, made a three pointer. Um, immediately he had a, uh, he, I think he had a nice assist. He had a layup. And so you uh, coming in cold like that and, and still being able to immediately contribute, um, is really impressive. Um, Frazier has continued to his, his baseline competency has continued to, uh, reassure me during this preseason. I don't think Tim Frazier is like a star point guard, um, I don't think Tim Frazier is going to like supplant Reggie Jackson or Derek Rose or anything crazy like that. But uh, if something were to happen to either of them, I, I feel like we're in competent hands with Tim Frazier. And that's something that's really important. Like we we're all Pistons fans here. Like we all know how, how bad things have gotten like when Reggie Jackson has, has gone down. Like I can go down the list, right? Like Steve Blake, Jameer Nelson, John Lucas the third, Bano Udra, um, Dwight Bikes, it, it, the the third string, Jose Calderon. I didn't even mention Jose Calderon because I've worked so hard to erase all memories of Jose Calderon, Detroit Piston, in 2018 from my mind. But not having to to worry about another uh, tertiary point guard situation being like a huge crippling thing. In going into the regular season, it's just like a very, very big weight, very big psychic weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I don't gotta, we don't have to freak out about this anymore and like that. So seeing that in the Cleveland game was really nice. It was, it was, it was quite nice. No. So next up was the the game in Philadelphia. Um, side note, like who who schedules a back to back in the preseason? Honestly. <laughs> Like that, that makes absolutely no sense. There's, and like, I understand the desire to get, to give guys a solid, like four or five days of rest between their, uh, final preseason game and, and their first regular season game, get all the nicks and bruises taken care of, like, uh, get guys, uh, maybe like another practice, another like really good practice or two in there, but like a back to back, like really, like you gotta, <laughs> it's still, it's so crazy. Like you, you still have to like wake up in one city and like, or wake up in a different city, take a 2 a.m. flight. We we just saw the the Baxter Holmes' uh, great piece in ESPN about how the irregular and uh, shortened sleep schedules of NBA players, how that impacts injuries, and how the, the league and teams are aware that this is like a, a ticking time bomb for them, essentially. And so, but we, we still got preseason back-to-backs, right? It, ugh, it just didn't make any sense to me. Anyway. The Pistons lost this game 106 to 86. Uh, and the big thing that stood out to me that this during this game was that uh, Tony Snell does his job. Very solid player. He just comes in, um, 
shoots a lot of corner threes, makes a good number of corner threes, has like a tiny bit of off the bounce game. He made a nice, he made a nice step back over Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid that made me go like, hmm, okay, okay. I don't think it's fair to expect that out of him on a consistent basis, but it was nice to know that like he has it in the bag and can pull it out on occasion if necessary. Like that's nice. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm Again, I'm very excited by the the baseline competency that we're gonna have at, from the starting small forward spot uh, in in Tony Snell. I'm also excited that uh, because of because of Tony Snell's skill set, because he's so good from the corners, it appears that the Pistons have placed uh, more of an emphasis on generating corner threes. Um, last year, it felt as t- it felt at times that uh, the Pistons the only the only Pistons that could generate a corner three were guys that the defense wanted to take corner threes guys like uh stanley johnson and uh guys like uh uh guys like thon maker but uh this year in preseason we've seen a little bit more we've seen more effort by the coaching staff to to get guys off of pin downs and into corner uh, into corner threes um we've seen just better positioning of, of spacing across the floor overall um you know, Tony Snell can't shoot a corner three if not if he's not standing in the corner, and so we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of um, you know uh, pin downs to to get like you know, they'll run the they'll run a pick and roll on on one side. Um, the other big the big on the weak side will will uh, make do like a, a flare screen an off ball screen, um, and as the as the ball handler is like rolling down the side, you can you, that corner pass will will be open. Um, you'll see we've seen some of the centers they're asking the centers to make reads in the short roll to the corner um, for corner threes and like that's really exciting but like having guys who the coaching staff actually trust to make those threes like Tony Snell uh, opens up the that type of uh, that type of offensive uh, creativity and influence and so I'm, I'm excited about Tony Snell um the other thing, the second thing that I noticed from the Philadelphia game was like we, you just, at this point, Christian Wood had produced consistently for four consecutive preseason games, and it was, uh, it's, it was impossible to keep him off the preseason, off, off the regular season team, uh, after this preseason game. He was just, Thon, he was just so clearly at the absolute worst, the equal of Thon Maker, um, he was the better of Thon Maker offensively. And uh, maybe a little bit worse than Thon defensively, but um, because of his rebounding, just a more valuable, or perhaps a more uh, a more uh, baseline e defensive player than Thon Maker, who who has very high variance on like whether or not he's being an effective defender. Because if he's if he's being an effective defender but not grabbing any rebounds, they're getting offensive chances, and so he has to be uh, he has to be twice as good on defense if he's given up two possessions for every one. So. But yeah, no. Christian Wood was he was. This is like four straight games of uh, of great points and great rebounds and solid enough defense. Er, solid, yeah, solid enough defense that it's it's just impossible to keep him off the team. Like it, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly when the Pistons made their decision about whether or not to keep him on the team. Um, I know some of you guys have been like, hey, like. I'd have kept. I would have kept Christian Wood right away. I would have signed him to an extension. Like I would have been. I'd have given him the guaranteed money right away. But like, after 
I can understand the coaching staff's trepidation, but like after four games, it was pretty clear. Like, yeah, no, like this guy needs to be on the team. There's, there's nothing really we can do. Uh, he's, he's too productive to, to not utilize. And the third thing that I noticed in the uh, preseason game was it was uh, officially time to get worried about Reggie Jackson's uh, preseason production. You know, I complimented him um, in the podcast after the Cleveland game. He had a a stretch in the third quarter of the Cleveland game that was just like very reminiscent of old Reggie Jackson where he was getting downhill in the pick and roll, like uh, getting Matt Delavadova in jail on his back shoulder and just like tossing up floaters over Tristan Thompson. It's like, okay, I recognize that guy. Like, uh, he was hitting, Reggie was hitting Andre Drummond uh, in the pick and roll. It's like, okay, I recognize that guy. Like, he's, he's doing good. But he, he really struggled in the Philadelphia game with the length of Philly's guards. Like, that's going to be, a cons- he was not the only one who struggled. Derrick Rose also struggled, and Luke Kennard also struggled against the length of uh, Philly's guards. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about Reggie. And, um... He also he also struggled to finish over Joel Embiid, which again is like a very tough task, and it's not one that any of the, most of the other Pistons guard has success over, or had success with, but it, it's still noticeable. And uh, last but not least, Reggie kind of landed funny in the third quarter of the Philly game. It's kind of kind of dragging a little bit, you know, able to get up and down the court, but like clearly not uh, fully right. He got pulled, and then uh, he didn't didn't return. Didn't return to that game. Didn't play the next game against Charlotte. Um, still haven't. Still no word from the team or anything. Um, and so, you know, we'll, that bears keeping an eye on. But if if that's the case, right? Like he still was not very productive in the in the preseason. Um, I believe uh, he shot like he shot like twenty eight percent from three. Or he shot twenty eight percent from the floor. He's like uh, in a limited, a more limited number of three-point attempts than you would have uh, thought about after the year he had last year, and so it was definitely concerning that Reggie was unable to finish around the basket or uh, unable to finish like his floater game that he loves so much. Um, yeah, so that that's a worry. You know, I know we talked about Tim Frazier uh, earlier in the podcast and how well he's played in in the preseason, and that's true. However, like given a choice between the two, like I would still rather have Reggie. Um, the Pistons do need a point guard to uh, to play alongside Derrick Rose as to not overexert Derrick Rose. I think they want to make sure that they don't overload Derrick Rose to keep him healthy, to preserve him for the entirety of the regular season. And so, you know, part of keeping Derrick Rose healthy and effective is keeping Reggie Jackson healthy and effective. And so, Reggie Jackson uh, might not be healthy and he wasn't very effective in the preseason that both of those things are notable and uh, we should pay close attention to them. Okay. Last but not least in the Charlotte game, uh, the Pistons won tonight. The Pistons, the Charlotte game was tonight. The Pistons won uh, 116 to 110. Uh, the Charlotte had a very late fourth quarter run to make this a, a closer game. Um, you'll also notice from all the scores of these games that when the Pistons score over 100 points, they win, and when they don't score over 100 points, they lose. And this just this just goes back to uh, my my you know pithy tweets, uh, but you know with a kernel of truth in them across uh, last season and even into this preseason that uh, you know the Pistons' offense 
always kind of looks the same. It's just like whether or not the, the shots go in. <laughs> uh, and the offense looks really good when the shots go in. And so, like, yeah, as long as the Pistons score points, like, they look good. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, guys. Make your shots. <laughs> um, and so the, the big takeaways from, uh, from tonight's game against Charlotte was, was, the, was the play of Tim Frazier. Tim Frazier started. Uh, he had a double-double with points and assists. Um, he did an excellent job, I thought, of uh, keeping the offense like humming and, and moving. Um, it was pointed out to me on Twitter by Hal Bridius, shout out Hal, that um, Frazier was just like passing the ball and let, letting other people do the work and still getting credit for the assists. Um, I th- a lot of like that exact thing, I think, is what people uh, envision when they say like the phrase like point guard things or like point guardiness. And I do think there was uh, an element to uh, there's an element of that to his play. Uh, however, like he can run, he can run a pick and roll at uh, at variable speed. He did a great job of hitting Andre Drummond in the short roll with the pocket passes. Uh, he made a couple threes. Dude can ball. Dude can ball. And so uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to just compliment him when he played well during the preseason during the preseason um, and enjoy the fact that he's going to be a very solid security blanket like he, like he was tonight. Uh, the second thing I wanted to point out was was Andre Drummond as a passer in the short role. Um, Andre, you know, so the Charlotte game. Reggie didn't play. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's not. Derek Rose and Luke Kennard didn't play. Uh, probably not hurt. Just rest. Don't want to play those guys on a back-to-back. Completely understandable. Not mad. Blake Griffin. Uh, hamstring issue. Um, you know, hamstr- hamstring soreness. His hamstring is sore. The sore hamstring would also explain, like, the lack of explosiveness. So, like, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Also, did like, didn't, didn't even travel with the team on the back-to-back. Still in Michigan right now. Like, working towards being ready for the regular season, totally fine, 100%, totally cool. And so, like, what that means is that in the starting lineup, there's nobody who can tell Andre, like, hey, like, we need, there's nobody the coaching staff can tell Andre, like, hey, we need you to to defer to this guy. And so Andre is going to do kind of whatever he feels like doing in the preseason. Um, Fortunately for us, for the most part, um, what Andre decided to work on tonight was was his passing. Um, he was he's really good in the short roll, finding guys in the corner. Um, he had a nice. Uh, he had the uh, the opening play of the game. I think he had a nice uh, backdoor find of Tim Frazier for a layup. But we didn't necessarily see as much of Andre like with the ball in his hands, like trying to trying to like operate as the hub of the offense. He just it was more like one dribble and a good decision, which I think is a, is a positive development. That's a, that's a good thing. Um, we saw him, we saw him try and establish early post position and draw fouls that way. He, he did kind of a good job of that in the, in the first half. Um, the, uh, the other thing is though, like when, when you, when Andre doesn't have to defer to anybody in the starting lineup and the, the ball is put in his hands a lot, he, he turns the ball over. Um, sometimes the turnovers aren't his fault. There was a, there's a play, especially uh, they like they ran their dribble handoff action. He took like a dribble, um, and then uh, he no 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 he uh, he was posting up, but he was posting up with the intent of passing. But uh, 
the pass he threw. He threw the pass like where Langston should have been instead of where Langston like was, and he threw it where Langston should have been because where Langston was, there was like a defender like literally between uh, Andre and Langston, and so if Langston had worked better to get himself open, like Andre would maybe have had an assist, but um, it turned out to be a turnover. Stuff like that is um, permissible. It's more permissible, I guess. But he also had uh, a stretch like early in the uh, third quarter where he tried to. He tried to euro step through slash past uh, PJ Washington and got uh, completely stuffed by Cody Zeller. Um, he had another really bad live ball turnover. Um, you know, Andre Drummond is. We I have always said that Andre Drummond is a dependent talent, and so when you when you put the ball in his hands, you can expect some good things to happen, and you can expect some bad things to happen, and tonight against Charlotte uh, without any other like really strong offensive creators in the starting lineup we we saw the good and the bad of what happens when Andre Drummond has the ball in his hands um, and you know last but not least um, in in the Charlotte game it was notable what we did not see we did not see Kyrie Thomas this is a and we did see Joe Johnson and this was a bad time for Kyrie Thomas, for Joe Johnson to have his best play, his best to play his best basketball of the preseason. Um, Joe had some very like Joe Johnson esque baskets. Um, he had a really nice uh, end of shot clock uh, move to he move to get to his spot, uh, throw up a nice like mid range floater that goes. Um, there was a not a fake DHO but like he was able to use a DHO to get leverage on a guy to take a couple dribbles get to the middle uh, finish in the paint um, there was a there was one there's one thing that's like it, this blew my mind uh, Joe was able from the perimeter to he was able to get all the way to the rim and Joe Johnson getting all the way to the rim took two guys with him and so when he missed the shot it was an easy uh putback for either christian wood or thonmaker i can't remember exactly all i could remember was being astounded that joe johnson got the he got the second defender to commit to his shot which is just like mind-blowing you know joe's still not great defensively there was a, a joke that like miles bridges uh him closing out on miles bridges is like going to cause like a minor incident and people were like, hey, like if that minor incident is like a Miles Bridges highlight dunk, like I'm totally cool with that, which is like, yeah, like, yes, I do also love Miles Bridges highlight dunks, but like not at the expense of 38 year old Joe Johnson. Right. Like I don't want to see Joe get embarrassed like that more than more than I don't want to see that happen more than you do. And so, uh, you know, Joe's defense or remains a concern for me His inability to uh, close out effectively just because of how because of how fast he has to move in order to close out um, effectively, he's not going to be able to slow down if uh, guys aren't are trying to get an, an advantage on him. And so, yeah, but no, but uh, Joe had a couple corner threes. Uh, he attempted a couple corner threes, and he had some nice like mid range game things. And that is the that is a type of contributions you you think Dwayne Casey thinks that he can make on a semi-consistent basis, which is why you th- you'd imagine that Dwayne Casey like wants him to be on this team. This was Joe Johnson's only 
good game of the preseason. But uh, if you're on the fringes of the roster, like Kyrie Thomas is, this was not a this is not a good time for Joe Johnson to have that game, right? And for you to not play at all, which is just another strike in the in the column against Kyrie Thomas. And so yeah, that's that's everything that happened. Those 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 are the main things that I noticed happening this preseason for the Pistons. Um, the regular season starts for the Detroit on the twenty third. Um, again, the the guarantee dates for Christian Wood is the the twenty second. The Woods guarantee date. So I'm sorry. Joe Johnson's guarantee date is the twenty second, and Christian Wood's guarantee date is the twenty third. So I expect we will see some trade uh, machinations or one guy getting cut uh, over the other or something happening with Kyrie Thomas or something happening with Joe Johnson um, before the first game of the season. Uh, when that does happen, we, you will hear about it and we'll talk about it on this podcast. Uh, but until then, you know, we're good. This That was kind of it. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody who listens and downloads. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. You can follow us on Spotify. You can uh, download any of the infinite uh, podcast apps in the Google Play Store, and, and we will be there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You can find my work uh, on Detroit Bad Boys, and um, you can find my, my other podcast that I do is called the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast. And anywhere you find this podcast, you can find that one. You know, I'm going to run both of those podcasts throughout the year. Uh, the material is going to stay pretty different, but um, I'm excited to be able to bring uh, both of those content efforts uh, to the fans this season. And so, you know, this has been Pistons versus Everybody, and we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>